Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So, mates, we hope that weekend was good. Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report, your Monday edition. We're following the latest in the New York choking death case with new charges against that particular suspect and a former NFL player. His name is Doug Middleton. He's going to join us to discuss the importance of mental health in sports. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicole Delay Corte, plus celebrating the 60th anniversary of the Freedom Riders and what Kiki Palmer has to say about the Me Too movement. They're the stories that impact our people. We're bringing you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into our top conversation for today. It takes us to Mississippi. A federal judge has temporarily blocked the appointment of four state court judges in a majority black county, including the state's capital. Now, the NAACP has filed a lawsuit against the appointments, alleging civil rights violations. Governor Tate, received, uh, Governor Tate Reeves signed legislation to expand state po policing in Jackson and establish an appointed court, but the judge's order puts a halt to the appointments pending further hearings. Another lawsuit challenging the law is currently pending, arguing that appointed judges would infringe on equal rights. Nikolai, there's been a lot of talk uh, about this latest uh, occurrence. As our in-house political uh, pundit, explain to us in layman's term a, a little bit as to what has happened and then why our folks, black folks in particular, uh, so up in arms yet again in, in Jackson. Well, a big part of what we're seeing is efforts by the part on the part of the governor of Mississippi to take away the power, to dilute mm -hmm. the power of black folks in Jackson to be able to decide for themselves who will represent them. You know, most court judges across Mississippi are elected. And so the fact that this bill was passed uh, that would empower the chief justice of the Supreme Court to appoint judges to look over uh, matters uh, in Jackson, that's already uh, mm -hmm. a bit unusual. Uh, on top of expanding the Capitol Police in Jackson, to also patrol the city of Jackson. And so, you know, shout out to the NAACP mm -hmm. uh, and the Mississippi uh, chapter of the NAACP for just really being on top of this. Yeah. You know, they filed a federal lawsuit right after uh, this law was uh, signed. You think that's law? key? You think that's going to make a difference? Oh, absolutely. It's already making a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, this judge would not have stayed this decision had it not been for NAACP mm -hmm. um, acting so quickly. And, you know, it's important to note there are two suits. There, there's one suit uh, that, um, you know, it really is going after these four judges that have been appointed. 
to uh, look over Jackson. But mm -hmm. then there's another challenge where there are three Jackson residents who are plaintiffs in this lawsuit uh, that are, are saying that, you know, this violates their constitutional mm -hmm. right. Um, there is no equal right here mm -hmm. um, and if they don't have an opportunity to elect judges mm -hmm. uh, that would preside over their city. Yeah, and, and the consensus is people want to make and keep Jackson safe. It sounds like the way folks are going about it isn't the best, isn't in the best interest of everyone in particular, us, um, us, us soulmates. Yeah, you're right. And mm -hmm. if this can happen in Jackson, it can happen anywhere mm -hmm. across the country. Think about how many black mayors there are uh, in cities across the country. Mm -hmm. Imagine if suddenly their power was diluted, mm -hmm. you know, by a Republican governor or a Republican-controlled state legislature. So we're going to be following the story closely. Absolutely. Now to South Carolina, where they've joined other states in opposing the teaching of certain historical topics. The Republican-controlled Senate passed Bill h 3728 urging parents to challenge materials that touch on white privilege and implicit bias. The bill also prohibits teaching responsibility for past actions or treating individuals differently based on race. Critics, including the ACLU, argue that it restricts discussion on race and gender inequalities. Similar legislation has been passed in Florida. Uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley has criticized critical race theory as un-American. So let's go to Florida as the Department of Education has faced criticism for its list of approved textbooks, which includes discussions on current events like George Floyd's death, the Black Lives Matter movement, and racism. The removal of a section titled New Calls for Social Justice from a Middle School Textbook has sparked concerns about whitewashing history. Critics argue that altering or eliminating historical facts goes against educational principles. A similar controversy occurred in uh, Florida where a black man advocating for accurate history education faced racism during a school board meeting. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is more of the same mm -hmm. coming out of Florida. But again, what happens in Florida doesn't just stay in Florida. What happens in South Carolina doesn't just stay in, in California. And there certainly has been a history of resistance mm -hmm. um, to our existence, period, let alone in the history books. You know, Courtney, this is social studies. Mm -hmm. How do you study... Uh, you know, what happens uh, among the people in this country? How do you have a legitimate social studies class if you can't study social justice? The effort to undo what has already been done and, and the effort to not include our story and our history is just beyond me. And you mentioned uh, former South Carolina governor, Ms. Ms. Haley, who has put in her bid for the 2024 uh, presidential election, which makes her stance even scarier mm -hmm. uh, because people are really, there's a whole movement buying in to what she is saying, what she has tweeted, what she has made very clear. And to think that this person could potentially be in the White House uh, is a very scary thing, which, which causes us to stay very vigilant as to these these laws and these practices that continue to come up. And speaking of South Carolina, it's also important to note with that South Carolina story about the mm -hmm, Senate mm -hmm. uh, limiting class discussion, mm -hmm. um, that that bill, H3728, was passed on the same day that South Carolina passed the Negro Act of 1740. Mm -hmm. That was a law that stated that enslaved African people couldn't read, couldn't assemble in groups, couldn't earn money, mm -hmm. um, and other day-to-day -day liberties. And so 
That's not a coincidence. Yeah. That's not a coincidence. And there is a raging movement mm -hmm. out there mm -hmm. to put us in our place, to mm -hmm. knock us down more than a peg, and to really erase the progress that has been yeah. hard fought in this country. Being led by, by Florida, because you know a lot of South Carolina Carolinians who are against this 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 bill here says you know it's a copycat as to what's happening in Florida, and they really don't want to be a part of it. So the fight is on. Mm -hmm. That is for sure. Yeah. Well, one year after the deadly massacre at Topps Friendly Markets in Buffalo, New York, victims' families have filed a wrongful death lawsuit against social media companies. They allege that the confessed killer, influenced by racist propaganda on these platforms, targeted and took the lives of 10 black individuals. Buffalo's first black mayor, Byron Brown, expressed his pain and praised the family's courage in seeking justice. The lawsuit aims to hold social media companies accountable for spreading hate and extremism. All right, so let's go to New York as a Crow funding campaign for Daniel Penny, the former Marine charged with second degree manslaughter in the subway killing of Jordan Neely, has raised over $1.5 million. That's as of yesterday. Penny's lawyers argue he acted in self-defense, while Neely's family's attorney uh, claims he was not provoking anyone and was experiencing a health crisis. The case has sparked polarizing political reactions with some Republicans expressing support for Penny on social media. Meanwhile, protests continue for Neely and a GoFundMe page has been established in his honor while the community continues to demand justice. Daniel Penny be charged with manslaughter? Absolutely. Because he acted with indifference. Even though he couldn't smile, he made other people smile. That's who Jordan was. And the fundraiser for Penny, however, is uh, hosted by a law firm to cover Penny's legal fees and potential civil lawsuits. Any excess funds, Penny's team says, will be donated to a mental health advocacy program in New York City. Any excess funds should be donated to uh, vigilantes mm -hmm. out there uh, that need some mental health support mm -hmm. um, and need to stop uh, trying to choke black people yeah, or, on or, public transit. Or, or Neely's family, who I'm sure, you know, could use that type of support. Uh, listen, um, it'll, you know, this is one of those high profile cases to where as we're going to have to follow it very, very closely. Um, you know, his defense is I was I, I was operating in self-defense when clearly the video shows something else. But we know that uh, in past cases, there's been plenty of video uh, and and results still haven't um, yielded in the way that we would like to see them. Um, you know, I it may appear to be like a black and white kind of case, but I'm sure both sides are going to have uh, an interesting argument as to why or why not uh, this man should be sentenced to be convicted and then, you know, pay for, for what has been done. And to your point, I think responsible. And to your point, I, th I think this case is about more than just uh, the life mm -hmm. of Jordan Neely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and and Daniel. Um, it's, it's about more than that. It's about vigilanteism mm -hmm. um, and can folks just walk over and throw somebody into a chokehold mm -hmm. on a public transit, uh, uh, you know, train and get away with it? Mm -hmm. I mean, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, we the world yeah. was outraged. That's people take was up issues. Outraged. Yeah, it's you know, one thing in the, to... in, in the in the in the George Floyd case where George Floyd was, was had, where Derek Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's neck mm -hmm. for nearly nine minutes. Mm -hmm. This was 15 minutes in the chokehold, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and it's also very telling 
that so far, uh, you know, he's raised $1.5 million, mm -hmm. but the uh, Jordan Neely GoFundMe, mm -hmm. as of Sunday, had only raised 103000 Yeah. And so, you know, there, there's a lot on the line in this case. Moving along, NBA player Jay Morant has been suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies after a second, a second social media video surfaced showing him holding a gun. Yeah, this comes just months after a previous incident resulted in an eight-game suspension. The specifics of the potential sanctions are unclear. Republicans, including Governor Ron DeSantis, have shown support for Morant. The Grizzlies have suspended him from all team activities pending league review. I was so disappointed. You know, I woke up and I thought it was maybe like for some reason the first offense was 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 resurfacing for some reason. And I looked and I said, no, this is a whole different situation. Mm -hmm. I, I saw it first on Twitter and I was just so disappointed um, in him, for him, his family, the team. And, you know, it, were you you have to question his sincerity. I mean, he went through this whole I'm sorry, I'm going to do better. He went through counseling. He was reinstated. He's up and down the court. They had a great run to try to push past and, and, and move on and, into the playoffs. Uh, and it just seems for nothing. And it feels like he's making a mockery of the people that actually go out and seek help and mm -hmm. seek counseling mm -hmm. um, because, you know, uh, you know, he went and did that, but yet and still he's back to his old ways, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And counseling by no way is a panacea. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to you know, solve whatever underlying challenges you have overnight, but it just feels like he's giving short shrift, you know, that, that counseling, you know, felt like it was uh, a, a public statement yeah. and, and not where his heart was at. Um, and who knows why he keeps doing this um, and what this is all about. But think about all the endorsement deals. Think about, you know, his future in the NBA. Mm -hmm. You know, think about his future period being yeah. put on the line for just exercising poor judgment yet again. Only, yeah. only months after he did it the first time. Yeah, maybe he doesn't understand the gravity of maybe the, the anointing, the talent, the gifts, and all that responsibility that comes with it. I, I understand he's young, but at this point, you know, you are on track to be one of the best to ever do it. I mean, that's how talented this guy is. And he's also responsible for the well-being of, I'm sure, a lot of family members. I do believe he has a, a, a young child. Uh, and to see him sort of kind of throw this all away carelessly and so recklessly is disappointing. It's very disappointing. Yeah, very yeah. much so. All right, we're going to move on here to something a lot more positive. Sasha Obama, the youngest daughter of former President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, of course, graduated from the University of Southern California. Whoop, the whoop. Obama, <laughs> the cordialized <laughs> stomping grounds, the Obama family attended the graduation ceremony with Sasha earning her undergraduate degree in sociology. Now, despite the presence of Secret Service agents, the former first family kept a low profile and exchanged waves with fellow guests and graduates. Sasha transferred to USC from the University of Michigan in 2022 to be closer to her sister, Malia. She was only seven years old when her father took office. She was just as cute as a button as the uh, 44th president. That was back in 2008. You add a little math. Sasha is now 21, and we want to congratulate not only Sasha, but all of this season's graduates. Lots of graduations happening over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great to see, and, and welcome to mm -hmm. the USC alumni, yeah. uh, Sasha Obama. I mean, this is incredible, and you're right. I mean, mm -hmm. we were introduced to Sasha Obama at seven years old. She we can hardly 
hardly believe it. Yeah. Um, and now look at her. I know. Um, and you know, she had moved. Remember, a lot of people were surprised that she, you know, started at the University of Michigan. I was. But then transferred mm -hmm. to the University of Southern California. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, she did so in part to be close to her sister mm -hmm. Malia, um, who has an up-and-coming, you know, career yeah. in Hollywood. And did so fairly quietly because it wasn't until you know the story came out. I was like, oh, that's right. She is out there in California. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and amazingly, I mean, the Obamas kept a relatively low profile mm -hmm. at that graduation. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of reports said that they had, you know, sort of a swarm of, of Secret Service agents, mm -hmm. but, you know, mm -hmm. um, nothing got too rowdy. They were they were sure not to pull too much focus from yeah. Sasha's special day. But I feel like their life after the White House has been low-key, but not low-key, low-key in the sense that they're living their best lives as regular as they possibly can, not so low-key because they are the Obamas, mm -hmm. you know? It's good to see it, though. Yeah, we All love right. to see it. Still ahead, the importance of mental health in the black community and in sports. Former NFL player Doug Middleton will join us to help awareness during this mental month. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, Brittany Griner made her return to the basketball court for the Phoenix Mercury after a 10-month detainment in Russia on drug-related charges. Yeah, it was a good look, too. The six-foot-nine, I didn't know she was that tall. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Wow, six-foot-nine, seven-time All-Star, finished with 10 points and three rebounds in a preseason game against the L.A. Sparks. Griner's teammates and the home crowd welcomed her back with lots of enthusiasm, as you can imagine. Her comeback brings renewed hope for the Mercury to make a strong WNBA Finals run. That's right. Griner's experience in Russia has also given her a platform to advocate for Americans detained abroad, in addition to her LGBTQ activism. Former St. John's University men's basketball coach Mike Anderson is seeking $45.6 million from the institution after being terminated from his coaching contract. Anderson alleges that he was terminated to make way for the hiring of Rick Patino. The requested amount includes remaining contract money and punitive damages. St. John's denies the claims and plans to defend against them. Anderson had a record of 68 and 56 during his tenure as head coach. And what's so interesting, Courtney, is, you know, sources say that Anderson had been given a six-year extension in February 2021. And so mm -hmm. what changed so much between 2021 and 2023? Yeah. You know, remember 2021 was still in the aftermath of George Floyd. You know, there are a lot of organizations that mm -hmm. were trying to demonstrate that, you know, they're down for racial justice and mm -hmm. creating opportunity, you know, and what happened? I don't know, but I know, you know, in the world of coaching, it's it's all about winning. I don't know how good or not so good his record, you know, may have been, especially when you compare it maybe to other uh, coaches. You know, the, these head coaching jobs, especially for our soulmates, are so far and few between. It does make you take a second look as to, okay, well, well, well what 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 is his firing really all about? And I'm sure there's probably some weight to what he feels, but if that would hold up in a court of law as factual, you know, that's, you know, yet to be determined. But I remember those days 
days, you know, St. John's and and uh, Syracuse mm -hmm. and, and all those Georgetown and all those great games and how huge that program is. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, when you talk about St. John's, it's one of the iconic, you know, basketball programs. And uh, people are going to be real interested to see how this plays out. People are real interested. I know, you know, ESPN got a hold of the termination mm -hmm. notice and they said that it states he was let go for, quote, failure to create and support an environment that strongly encourages student athletes who are in the men's basketball program to meet all university academic requirements. And so I don't know if that's all that's in there, but that's what ESPN is citing. And so oh, this sounds a little fishy. Interesting to say the least. Mm -hmm. All right. Meanwhile, all month long for May, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, among others. But the importance of awareness is needed now more than ever before. That's right. Today we're joined by a man who is working every day mm. to help those needing help. Former NFL veteran and mental health advocate and founder of Dream the Impossible, Doug Middleton is with us today. Welcome to Fox Souls Black Report, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Indeed. So, uh, Doug, can you share with us your mental health journey and tell us, you know, what led you to advocating um, following your time in the NFL? There's so many things you could have done. You know, why did you choose to, you know, spend your time, talent and treasure on this? Yeah, mental health is something uh, that's extremely important to me. Um, it's something that's impacted my life, uh, my family's life. and. Uh, it's just something that's, that I'm very passionate about. Uh, my brother, he's a social worker. My mom is a therapist. And for me, uh, throughout my, my journey and my career in the NFL, uh, having time uh, where I've had multiple season injuries and then also uh, losing my best friend to suicide in 2017, there was mm. just a lot of different things that happened throughout my career that's called me into this purpose. And uh, just also seeing you know teammates that I've played with throughout my career in the NFL that have died from suicide. and. Uh, I have a platform, um, you know, from playing in the NFL to be able to spread that healing to other people and, and, and other venues and avenues. And, you know, I'm just trying to step in that purpose. Indeed. And, and you got it honest when you, considering your mom and your brother's career. So tell us a little bit more about Dream the Impossible. And how did you uh, and your wife come up with this uh, idea for this uh, nonprofit? Yeah, for me um, and my wife, like, you know, me playing football with Appalachian State University and then following uh, my time there, played the NFL. And I can just always remember people, you know, saying to me that um, everything that I want to accomplish in life, you know, was going to be impossible. And so I work with a lot of kids. I work with a lot of youth and, and our foundation works with a lot of youth. And, and we help them, you know, find out what their dreams are, what their purpose is in life. And then uh, we build them up the strength to understand that every, anything you want to accomplish in life is possible. And so uh, Dream the Impossible, we challenge these youth to really step out and, and not just dream in something that, that they know is attainable, but something that most people you know, wouldn't believe in or wouldn't think would be attainable. Uh, we help in the ways of mental health awareness, education, uh, connecting the resources, and, and just breaking down the stigma. There is so much happening on the field. There's so much happening in our communities. Um, tell us, why do you believe mental health support is needed more now than ever in sports, particularly for black athletes? And, and what's something that you wish was available when you were playing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really important, especially for black athletes in sports. I mean, I mean you're seeing it now, um, you know, a John Moran situation. I just heard you all talking about that just now. but. Um, you know, once we make mistakes, it's, it's really hard to get back from that. And then, you know, a lot of people don't think about the mental, the mental uh, things that happen following uh, some of those losses and some of those losses that are put on such huge uh, platforms. Like, 
when somebody else makes a mistake, you know, one person may know, another person may know, but when we as athletes make mistakes, it's put everywhere. And, and so as black athletes, you know, being tore down so easily, um, there's a lot of, um, I guess, mental lack that comes from that, that, that a lot of mental feedback that we have to, you know, bounce back from. And so just being able to, um, you know, notice that, know that, know what the what the signs are, know what the weaknesses of it is, and know what the disadvantages of it is, and also in, in enjoying the strengths too. Like being able to play at this high level, being able to play at the NBA, NFL is, is something you dream of since you were a little kid. So it is, it's, you know, you don't want to forget that, that it's still the dream, it's still everything that you that you've worked for. Uh, but one thing that I wish, um, you know, that, that they had now that, that, you know, I've always thought about is, is just being able to have a group of, um, a group of mentors um, that can really guide these young men and, and, and really uh, that, that are already kind of set up. So when these at-risk situations do happen, we can just be plugged right in into these mentors, into this circle uh, to help us really bounce back. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Doug, you, you mentioned job ja Moran. It's, it's, it's the talk of the, the town, if you will, uh, this, this morning. A little bit on, do you think, you know, from, from your seat, do you think this is more of a, a mental um, issue or is it, is it more so reckless abandonment? That seems to be the argument across social media uh, this, this, this afternoon. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, my thoughts. I mean, Josh's still very young. Um, he's, he's still, I think he's still under 25 years old. And, and when you look at the people he has around us and where he's from and, and just being able, you know, I was always told just to make sure you have the right people around you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you show me your friends, you can show you, you know, show them your destiny. So it's just making sure that he gets the right people around him. Of course, you know, there's only so much an NBA team or their, you know, their staff and, the, you know, that they can do to prevent some of the things that he's encountering right now. Um, there's only so much control that they do have. And so it just really comes down to the people he hangs with, the mentors that he looks up to, and, and just getting the right people in the circle. In our remaining minutes with you, can you tell us for those wanting to get help or who may be in need of help, uh, where can they go? Yeah, yeah. If, if you know, you're feeling alone, you're feeling like things aren't, aren't where you want them to be in your life right now, you're feeling like, hey, like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to keep going. Uh, you know, one thing I would, I would tell them is, is, number one, reach out to the Suicide Hotline, 988. Uh, that's been a resource that we've been long advocating for for a long time, and we finally, are, you know, have access to that. So 988, just as easy as, as calling 911. And then the next thing I would say is, is, to, is to tell somebody in your group, you know, reach out and use your support system and be able to, to have conversations, vulnerable conversations, not transparent but very vulnerable conversations where you find out, find ways that you can get better. And then from there, just finding a self-care routine, finding something that works for you, you know, finding, you know, whether that's yoga, which is something that I do, um, uh, whether that's, you know, going to a movie or just getting your nails done, finding your self-care routine and what, what you know you could do that could make you uh, be in a better place. Yoga, I love it. That's also yeah. a great practice, but my knees, <laughs> my knees, y'all yeah, yeah. are still here, my knees. <laughs> yeah. Especially hot yoga. Hot, hot, oh, hot no, yoga. That would, hot I would fall great. out from hot yoga. Yeah, but it, y'all gotta, y'all gotta come see me. We're, um, I'm opening the hot yoga studio in Charlotte, North Carolina right now. Okay, uh, one of our old stomping grounds. Right we'll we'll have to, we'll have to make our way for sure. Personally, how can we follow you, keep in touch with you all across social media, especially with this effort with you and your wife? We want definitely want to stay linked before we let you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can um, you can follow us on social media, uh, Dream the Impossible, or my Instagram, uh, 36DM underscore ERA. Um, and you can also follow, um, you know, check out our yoga studio, Wellness Center, Dream Yoga and Wellness. 
Um, you can find that on Instagram. But yeah, we're building a wellness center. Uh, currently, right now, we open up in two weeks, and it's a place that people will be able to come in and get in-person mental health therapy, and they also be able to do yoga. So we're just gonna have everything. Um, you know, holistic health is what we're preaching. That's amazing. In person in Charlotte. I don't know about hot yoga. Yeah. Easy. I need easy on the knees yoga. We got, we got, we got the hot yoga. We got non-heated yoga. Anything. <laughs> Road <laughs> trip. Easy That's all on I the got knees to say. yoga. That's what I need. We can do it. Doug Middleton, thank you so much uh, for your in, uh, ministry. You and your family. We appreciate you so much. You're, you're an official soulmate. We got to definitely have you back, brother. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Indeed. You. Indeed. All right, coming up, there's a new college course on one of the greatest comedians. That's right. We'll tell you which college will introduce a class on Dave Chappelle. Oh, wow. You're watching Fox Hills Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. Over the weekend, National and uh, Birmingham, Alabama institutions, uh, they hosted a commemoration uh, of the 62nd anniversary of the Freedom Rides. Yeah, the movement began to challenge the lack of desegregation in public transportation and facilities after the Supreme Court's uh, Boynton versus Virginia decision. That was back in 1960. Now in 1961, 13 individuals embarked on two buses from D.C. Uh, protesting interstate transportation segregation laws. That's right. The commemorative event featured firsthand accounts from Freedom Riders who bravely fought to integrate the bus systems despite the attacks that they faced in Anniston and Birmingham in 1961. Sounds pretty factual to me. Sounds mm -hmm. like something that actually happened. So would this be in one of those books that, you know, Florida and South Carolina want to do away with? I mean, this is, these are the stories. These are the stories. And some of those freedom riders were white. That's right. You know, so like, let's tell the whole story. Let's tell everybody's history because there, there's just so much importance in, in knowing where we've come from mm -hmm. and how far we've come from so we can have a better direction on where we want to go. And, 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 and uh, nickel and diming which history facts should go in and shouldn't uh, is a problem. And in fact, if I remember correctly, my honors English teacher was a freedom writer uh, and uh, Mrs. Andrian. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you could tell that that influenced the course of her life. Sure. You know, from how she taught English class, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but, um, you know, you're right. This is the same history that they want to yes. erase. Um, they, you know, folks on the other side, they may call this implicit bias, mm -hmm. right? You know, but we know this as all-out racism. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was the motivation, you know, for for all of this. And um, it is so much of what we are still trying to overcome. But who are you keeping this information from? You, th these are generations now who are born into this technology. So, okay, so it's not in their books at school, but anything you want to know is at your fingertips, especially for the generations being, like I said, being born into, all they know is Google. All they know is, is sitting in front of their computer and, and finding this and finding that. So who are you really, what's this argument really all about and who are you really trying to keep this information from? Because if, if young people, you know, wanted to, to learn about it, they, they could, whether it be in school or not. 
So, so, so what's your real angle? I think it has to do with wanting to throw it back to the years of, of reconstruction. That's and right. Wanting things the way they, they want things. But you can't, in this, in this highway of what they call it, technology highway, information highway, how are you keeping this away from people who really want to find out and know about but it? But you know what, but part of it, this is an act of desperation. This is what folks are trying to do to, to protect and preserve white supremacy, mm -hmm. right? And so when young black kids and other kids of color discover that, mm, the white man's ice isn't colder, mm -hmm. right? Then they start to govern themselves differently and start to act differently. And that's when we actually start to come together. And so that's what they're fighting against. Mm. All right, Spike Lee and the Gersh Agency have selected five students into its inaugural class of Spike Lee Fellows at Gersh uh, program. The new program will help support five HBCU students from the Atlanta University Center Consortium. That's Morehouse, Spelman, Clark Atlanta, Morris Brown uh, was not included, however. Now, this fellowship will provide mentorship both in front of and behind the camera. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the fellows will undergo an eight-week paid summer learning experience and be awarded $25,000 in academic debt relief and full-time employment beginning September of 2024. It's a great program. Mm-hmm. Well, Dave Chappelle is moving into academics. The 49-year-old funny man is said to have a course taught in his name at Concordia University in Montreal, Canada, just this fall. Students will reportedly examine the link between his skits and their relationship with music. Yassine Narsi Al-Salama, the professor set to teach the course, stated, quotes, I'm writing my syllabus right now and from what Dave and the community around him gave me. I'm gonna kind of celebrate that and the 50th anniversary of hip hop as a community. I think this is super cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's great when professors are able to you know, uh, take what's happening in the court of public opinion or take what's happening in pop culture and add some some theoretical grounding to it, add, uh, you know, some academic heft to it. Yeah, but when I heard about it, I was trying to run through the article because I was like, well, where are they going to do that at? Because, you know, Dave uh, Chappelle is quite honest and he's almost been a little too honest for America almost been a little too honest you know uh, for his own good at times as far as being able to ruffle feathers and really taking his platform uh, to the very very edge so I wasn't surprised this was at a school you know in Canada I don't know if America is quite ready for you know just Dave Chappelle and his uh, platform whether you agree with what he's what he said in the past or not whether you you know um, think he's funny or not or, or is, is, has really um, pushed the envelope a little too much or not, I think he's worth the study in mm -hmm. regards to what he has accomplished in Hollywood and all that he had to uh, come up against. Uh, but I'm surprised that it's not in a, at a university or college here in the States. Well, you know, but, you know, but, but, but this, is, this is keeping with the history. I think it was Nina Simone that said that, you know, in her view, it's the artist's responsibility to reflect the times. Mm. And so it's really great that this professor uh, in Canada is attempting to do that. Uh, you know, Dave Chappelle's uh, work, some of his work has been more controversial than other work, but it's inspired a conversation mm -hmm. and it's gotten people to sort of think That's critically right. Right. about a whole range of things. And so, you know, um, I love when academia does this mm -hmm. um, and I hope that that, uh, 
that syllabus is uh, uh, open source. I was going to say made so public. That, I'd uh, love to see it. A lot of sure. us can check it out because she's also including some connections to Tupac mm -hmm. and, and other figures in the hip hop community. And yeah. so uh, we'll be looking for it. That's we'll right. be Googling it. That's right. E-40 is now an honorary doctor of music. Dr. E-40 now? Dr. Okay. E-40. The Bay Area rapper was recognized for his contributions to his alma mater, Grambling State University, with an honorary doctorate degree during the class of 2023 spring commencement ceremony. He celebrated on IG with a note, Dr. Earl E-40 Stevens is officially in the building. Uh, thank, uh, thank you, Grambling State University, for giving me a, an honorary doctorate in music and molding me into the man and entrepreneur that I've become. I'm truly humbled. That is the end of that quote. Dr. E-40. It doesn't I, get any better than that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, from the Bay Area, E-40, he just means so sure. much to, you sure. know, so many of us that, you know, grew up on his music. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he's given us another reason to get hyphy. Yeah. You know, with, <laughs> oh, with, with, okay. you know, with him getting this doctorate. <laughs> you know, but, but what's also really cool about this is mm -hmm. he studied commercial Art. Mm -hmm. He studied commercial art at an HBCU, um, and look at what he's done with his life and his career, right? And so this is just another endorsement mm -hmm. in terms of how and why HBCUs are really a crown jewel mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to American innovation yeah. and American entrepreneurship. And had he not had that experience, this, is just, this isn't just me talking, E-40 said this, you know, that that experience as a student at Grambling literally changed his life. And why you can't judge a book by its cover, because, you know, E-40 has always been in the thick of it, and he's one of those ones who has been long withstanding and, and has survived the ebb and flow of, of hip-hop culture and rap music, and he's always right there. And so I think, you know, when you talk about his background and his time at Grambling and what that, how they, that have, may have uh, added to his success, um, um, as a, uh, a rapper and now this 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 business mogul uh, in his own right, uh, I think there's something uh, to say to that. It just doesn't happen by mm -hmm. osmosis, and he just hasn't been able to survive this thing. Uh, you know, sometimes the hits the hits dry up and go away. But what he has been able to leverage and use by way of his talent has just been amazing. And also the the, the warriors apologize, and he's back courtside. Unfortunately, they didn't make it as far as they wanted to, but he is. Uh, he is that dude, especially in the Bay Area, and folks love E-40. That's right, that's mm -hmm. right. And he also would sew back uh, to mm -hmm. his alma mater. He gave over $100,000 recently to Grambling. Wow. And so he's just a model in so many ways of, you know, this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. Up next, Kiki Palmer is sounding the alarm on the Me Too movement. We will tell you her latest comments and who she says needs to be held accountable. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be right back, Soulmates. Important conversation. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, the writer's strike is impacting many of our mm. favorite shows. There's word that the strike will put the newest season of P-Valley on hold. Say it ain't so. Oh, please say it ain't so. News broke right over the weekend that the Star Series suspended production. The creator and showrunner, Katori Hall, said they will not be filming until a fair deal is reached. Which means no Uncle Clifford for us. Oh my uh, this all comes as the show is continuing to 
find success only premiering back in 2020 on uh, the streaming platform, one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it caught fire real quick. It did, it did, it did. I enjoy, you know, watching it with friends, mm -hmm. and I think uh, Nico Anon, uh, who plays Uncle Clifford, is Detroit. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, a, a Detroit native. native. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also Ghanaian, same okay. tribe as my dad. And so, oh, y'all uh, cousins? We might be. All right. We're investigating that. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, show caught on fire. Uh, you know, everybody was borrowing passwords uh, to to really get into uh, this show. But I love how uh, Ms. Kotori, who is just a genius, you mm -hmm. ask me, um, you know, is saying, hey, we're going to support this effort. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody knows or should knows how critical writers are. Uh, that is why some of our favorite shows um, may also be be halted mm -hmm. uh, as uh, folks continue to support these writers. They just want a little bit more money so they can continue to do what they love to do and live. Shared prosperity. Live. Mm. Absolutely. Go figure. Absolutely. Well, new mom Kiki Palmer is sounding the alarm saying that it's time for the Me Too movement to have more accountability. In a recent interview with People, Kiki said that it's time that the movement made its way to the music industry, saying, quote, it hasn't happened in music, and it should. Bad things happen in all industries, obviously, but specifically entertainment. Many may remember the movement started back in 2006 and grew in 2017 when Hollywood executive Harvey Weinstein faced allegations. Um, well, you know, we've talked a lot about this, you know, off air and on air. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is there are a lot of enablers that make it possible for the Harvey Weinsteins of the world, for example, mm -hmm. to you know take advantage of folks, not just in the entertainment industry, but in all sorts of industries. And so, you know, I think there's opportunity for all of us who support the Me Too movement uh, to affirm that movement by by when we say something. When you, when we say something do something. Yeah. First, let me just take a, a minute out to say that uh, Kiki looks absolutely fabulous. She's there's this throwback to this, you know, black Hollywood uh, regal uh, starriness, if you will, um, with her recent appearance on the uh, uh, meta uh, carpet and then she had a, a baby uh, Mother's Day uh, shoot. But she's always been a fire starter, always been a fire firecracker, always had that 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 attitude uh, that that uh, you know she's not to be played with. And so, you know, whether you agree with her timing or not, uh, she has always been one to uh, kickstart a conversation. She was on the front lines of a lot of those protests speaking squarely in the face of those uh, police officers who were doing what they were commissioned to do. So um, I, I think her sounding uh, another fire alarm to sort of kind of start another fire, you know, under mm -hmm. this particular movement, uh, um, I think uh, you're going to get some results from it. And I think people are going to begin to talk about it again, especially, you know, as new allegations may come up for people feeling, you know, comfortable and more welcomed by Kiki saying, hey, we need to talk about this. Yeah. And we also got to make sure that we can hold people accountable, but like uh, mob rule uh, is not the way to go either. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we convict people in the court of public opinion mm -hmm. before they even go to trial, That's right? True. And so I think there's lots of work afoot in this movement, um, but it's good to see her using her voice and her platform sure. to remind us, yeah. you know, that uh, this work is not done yet. Yeah, she always does. All right. Speaking of being held accountable, the brat is apologizing following her recent comments about the lack of black sperm donors, the rapper and her wife 
were recently heard in their reality show referring to the only available black donor as Jimmy Cricket and that out of the thousands of donors, there weren't any they approved of. DeBrat is saying although the show cherry-picked that one joke out of an entire discussion, she apologizes and her intent was never to offend anyone. We talked a bit about this, and you have a husband, if I don't mind, yeah. who is an executive producer of yeah. an amazing show that we have all seen, and he said what? Uh, what did he say? If you don't give any, <laughs> if you don't give them any material. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. He 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 says, you know, when it comes to reality TV, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, they can only take what you give them. That's right. Right. And so if you don't say it on camera, if you don't do it on camera, if you don't act out mm -hmm. on camera, they have no material, you know, to work with, mm -hmm. you know, and they're not in the business of, well, at least he's not in the business, mm -hmm. you know, of trying to. Um, you know, uh, make people look bad, mm -hmm. you know, or manipulate. Mm -hmm. There are some shows out there that, that, that. are. Yeah. His is not that, mm -hmm. um, you know, but uh, it does happen in the industry, mm -hmm. you know, where, where folks say things that are taken out of context and manipulated and then pushed out into uh, the public square and people react. And so mm -hmm. that's what, what the brat was saying happened in her case. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we just know that there are a lot of tender feelings around sperm donors and, and the fact that there already aren't enough, you know, sort of black sperm donors. Um, and for the little bit of black sperm uh, that's out there uh, and available uh, through these uh, agencies, um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't seem to you know, you know, pick these folks. And, and it was a little tender around what they did select, what they, you know, uh, what they decided to uh, select according to what, you know, the show kind of revealed. So as this pregnancy moves along and, and the birth happens, we want a healthy baby, absolutely. But it'll just be interesting to see how it all kind of falls out. <laughs> well, I hope we don't fall out. <laughs> I'm talking about the, the, the talk. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, a major section of Highway 5 in Minnesota has been renamed for music legend wow. Prince. We love it. It's near the late singer's Paisley Park home and studio and bears his full name, Prince Rogers mm -hmm. Nelson. Governor Tim Walls made it official, signing the bill in purple ink. Nice touch. Mm -hmm. The law stipulates the highway sign must be purple to we love it. One of our very favorite um, artists, um, mm -hmm. an, an artist that will be remembered throughout eternity. And so it's great to see his his home state, you know, really keeping his memory alive in this way. Gosh, I, I still can't believe he's he's gone. Yeah. And, and, and his passing has like a real special kind of meaning. He passed maybe a, a day before my mom, a day or two before my mom. And as my mom was transitioning, she loved Prince. We put the mm -hmm. headphones on and, and she would kind of react a little bit to all her favorite, you know, Prince uh, records that, that would come on. But yeah, I, you know, he his talent and that legacy is just, and that music is just, is one for the ages. And so uh, for, for these folks in his own backyard too, honor him in this way is pretty special and and that's another road trip that's on my list I got to get to Paisley Park a couple of my girlfriends have been she was just like oh it's amazing I said I, I, I imagine so so I, I got to get to Minnesota when it's warm well, since the weather's and not getting nice. And hello to our nice. soulmates who watch in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. When is more? Yeah, we, we, we want to see you in Minneapolis. <laughs> We're going to figure this out one way or, or another. Right, but that's, that's right. a very special memory that you have yeah, of your mom really and is. Prince. Mm -hmm, that's the connection there. Yeah. All right, new parents Rihanna and ASAP Rocky have finally revealed the name of their baby boy, giving us a hint in a heartwarming IG post that quoted the rap group Wu-Tang. 
The baby's name is Riza, honoring Wu-Tang's lead member. Riza also shares uh, ASAP Rocky's middle name, Alf Leston, Alf, Alf, Alfston, that's it. The, the uh, reveal comes as the couple celebrates uh, the baby's first birthday. The second child is uh, absolutely on the way. But what tickled me is there was a whole generation who didn't know who Riza, who the Riza. Uh, was and mm -hmm. I guess I can understand that you know the Wu Tang about my age maybe a little early or uh, older we're in our early fifties and so I can see you know the young and youngins but like RZA who is that mm -hmm. Google him <laughs> it, you know it, it's it's one of the joys of getting older is that uh, our yeah. pop culture references uh, sometimes they age too and fall short yeah for those who are a little younger yes. or a little on the younger yes. end but I thought that was a great. Uh, a great ode to uh, you know who, you know the member of Wu Tang and, and Wu Tang Clan who we know they got documentaries yeah. out about their their presence and in, in, in hip hop and so I thought that was great and what just a beautiful family like mm -hmm. oh my goodness you know you know Rihanna and Aesop Rocky and now RZA and then and then you know there's another kid on the way they just what a joy to be able to I hope watch it's a girl. them I want a girl what a joy to be able to watch them sort of grow mm -hmm. up in front of our eyes mm -hmm. we've seen them grow as artists mm -hmm. and we're seeing them grow their family and how lucky are we that we get to have a front row seat to watching yeah. that happen. But how crazy is that that they were able to keep that name so under wraps for so long? I like mean, nobody, you, we would see the baby, but nobody knew the name. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Really? Look, look, look it's, it's living proof that, you know, if you want to keep a low profile on things, you can keep a low profile. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to share all your business, right? Mm -hmm. Look at the Obamas. The Obamas at, the, at, at Sasha's graduation, mm -hmm. you know, they found a way to keep a relatively low profile. And so it's possible out there. There's some people out there that just crave attention, can't get enough. Unless right? you get booked and, for- And overshare. Unless you get booked for the halftime performance of the Super Bowl, you you, you, you about to share something. <laughs> and so I'm waiting, I'm hoping maybe they get a little girl, healthy baby, but yeah. I'm hoping for a little girl for them. How well, cute is that? Very cute. Mm -hmm. Well, up next, it's our favorite. Favorite, favorite segment, Black Excellence. And we're celebrating Jalen Hurts for all the right Man, reasons. Man, listen, we'll tell you all about this, this new degree he has and what he plans to do next. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Jalen Hurts' incredible year continues. After the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback earned a master's degree in human relations from Oklahoma. He is on fire. Education appears to have always been important for Hertz. Both his parents are teachers and said he was inspired by his mother during his freshman year at Alabama after he watched her go back to school to get another degree. Hertz later earned a bachelor's degree in communication and information sciences in just three years at Alabama. Then he transferred to Oklahoma in 2019. Now with two degrees and a Super Bowl appearance under his belt, Hertz heads into his fourth NFL season as the franchise quarterback with a new big contract. A huge big contract. Mm -hmm. Auntie Courtney is so proud of you. You're just as cute as a button. <laughs> I just want to pinch him right on his, his uh, cheeks, the ones that sit on 
on his face. Okay, but Auntie. no, really, he is just. I mean, the, the story here. Yeah. I mean, and 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 he's so modest, and it's not this this superhero thing. He is just doing what is ex is expected. He is doing, you know, what um, you know he's been blessed. Uh, and talented and gifted to do. And it's just good to see somebody who appears to be very balanced and things are in perspective. And it really counteracts, you know, the unfortunate news uh, with John Morant and, and hoping that, you know, he can get back on track. Whatever that track is for Jai, mm -hmm. it's, it's different for everybody. Um, but whatever that track is, as far as some positive yielding results for John Morant, allow you know Jalen to be that that example well hopefully Morant can look to uh, Hertz mm -hmm. as a source of inspiration mm -hmm. right um, and what I just love about uh, this story is that we get to celebrate him not just on the field but you know his hard work in the classroom mm -hmm. right is his the positivity that he's bringing you know to our community and mm -hmm. so you know, uh, congratulations to him. Yeah. So many folks out there. Graduation season, Graduating. Huh? And, and you attended one as well? I did, I did. I went to the Howard University commencement this weekend. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and I had a chance. There was a special guest speaker. We had very talked special about guest that. that we've talked about from time to time there here he on is. Fox Souls Black Report. You're looking at uh, President Joe Biden mm -hmm. uh, and President Frederick uh, over at Howard University, uh, where uh, President Biden delivered the commencement address and didn't mince words at all. I mean, he uh, was really you told me uh, testing he pulled out, out some of his content. Yeah, you told me he pulled out some receipts, too, because we were questioning, you know, with this presidential bid, would he take this moment not just to speak to Howard grads, but, you know, to black America taking this moment. Your thoughts on that? He did. You know, he, he met the moment, and he used this moment um, to squarely talk about the threat that white supremacy poses to our country mm -hmm. um, in no uncertain terms. So the full rundown on today's stories and more, you can access Fox Soul's video on demand on any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other Black-centered content. Don't forget to download the Foxo app. It is free. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelite Corte. On behalf of the entire team here at Foxo's Black Report, we thank you. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> In the meantime, stay lifted. We thank you. Stay safe. <laughs>